Let me tell you today about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, or you can record it on another device or platform and transfer it to Anchor. It will distribute your podcast for you through Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast right in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome in to the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. Back again. Back here again with my friends, my family, Art Tornabeni. How you doing, man? I'm doing really well. I'm uh, I am getting calluses on my hands from pull, moving mulch to build a playhouse for my kids in the backyard, and it's uh, it's calluses out of love. Man, Art, man, the kids are lucky building uh, playgrounds and and equipment for them and. And all the stuff that you're doing, like yard work for them on the sat on a uh, Saturdays, man, you're just you're always doing stuff for the kids, man. That's awesome. I, I I want them to have other reasons to go to therapy than than me when they're old. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's my man, E Mendy. How you doing? You know, I feel like I never have anything exciting as art. I was so bored this week. I contemplated. Plated, uh, planting fake parsley in <laughs> Why do you think I always have you go after art so art can be where the <laughs> listeners can hear first and then you? Yeah, art's, art's like the, the glowing, like, here's optimism, like, all right, here's how reality is going for most of us. <laughs> Man, kids keep you busy. Kids yeah, keep he, you busy. Uh, That's true. He, I go stud then dud. <laughs> uh, well, welcome in everybody. We um first announcement before we get into everything, we are live on Instagram. We have officially have an Instagram with same handle Trip Play Fantasy. I was made fun of for spelling it out every week. So at this point, if you don't know how to spell it, I don't know how to help you out with that. Uh, again, Trip Play Fantasy on Instagram. We are growing. Over now, over 100 followers on Twitter. We're growing. We've got some amazing guests lined up over the next few shows. Uh, I'm really excited for you guys to hear it. I don't know if you can tell the excitement in my voice, but I'm about to jump out of my pants. Uh, we are really picking up steam here, so this is the time to hop on the bandwagon, hop on the show. With that being said, let's hop right in. Breaking news. All right. Our first bit of news we have is the KBO is officially underway. So according, sorry, my phone, I need to just put on here. The KBO is maybe halfway around the world, but live baseball games are about to begin. After a five-week delay due to the coronavirus epidemic, the KBO has finally started. We're watching games live on ESPN, six games per week, with the network getting the game feed from South Korea. 
using ESPN announcers to call action remotely. And it may not be an optimal setup, but it's baseball and it's what matters. Is there a team you guys are rooting for and are you guys going to be watching? Uh, Artem, start with you. I only know one team name and it's the Dinos. So I'm going to root for the dinosaurs. I'm I'm loving the uh, the gifts uh, that I'm seeing on Twitter from from there. You, you're seeing ex major league pitchers over there. I think Nick Kingham, who was on the Pirates last year, got the first strikeout of the KBO season this year. And of course, we know Josh Lindblom was in the KBO last year, and he's a sort of a sleeper on a lot of people's fantasies. So I I think this is a pretty high quality baseball. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, hopefully I get to catch a few games, but they're on super early in the morning, like 5 a.m. So it's funny you bring that up because I wanted to be the Dinos to be my team, but I've heard every podcast and every outlet want the Dinos to be their team. And I was like, let me pick a different team. But then I looked at the Dinos mascot. Do you know what the Dinos mascot is? No. His name is Twole Daddy. Oh, that's it's good. A, it, it's, it's a dinosaur. You guys got to Google it. It's a dinosaur wearing a tight sleeve, like a tight T-shirt with a, a like a, a long neck. And he's like swole. And they call him Swole Daddy. Oh, that just makes Brain. me like him more. When I heard that, I was like, I have to be a Dinos fan. Um, Eric, what about you? Are you going to be watching? Uh, so, you know, what's interesting is, I, I mean, I get up kind of early for work. Um and Dan Straley pitched a game at 5 a.m. And at 9 a.m. they had him on Get Up and was talking about pitching and, um, you know, just getting back out there. So I thought that was really cool. Uh, I only knew the Dinos as well, but um, after hearing that mascot, I think it's unanimous that we support that team. Well, we're hopping right on the bandwagon <laughs> for the Dinos. Um, our uh, next little bit of news we have here. According to a guy near near and dear to my heart, Trevor Plouffe, who played uh, third base for the Twins for seven seasons, he tweeted out Monday that he's heard from multiple sources that uh, a second iteration of spring training will start June 10th with opening day scheduled for July 1st with all teams playing at their home ballparks. Plouffe's report was seconded by Phil Hughes, who also pitched for the Twins for four seasons. And the right-hander, however, referred to July 1st opening day being a proposal, but not being set in stone. Of course, they're not MLB reporters by any means, but uh, their reports are very similar, were similarly uh, included with the Athletics' Ken Rosenthal as an educated guest for when the season's going to begin. Since then, Jeff uh, Passan and a lot of other experts have expressed optimism that this could happen. But there are a couple hurdles that need to be met as far as teams and players agreeing to certain uh, regulations. Eric, I'm going to start with you. Do you think this is what's going to happen? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think something exactly that. I think there is reason for optimism. Korean baseball is being played. I think Major League Baseball had the benefit of not starting the season yet. I think for leagues like the NBA and NHL, they're at a disadvantage because they have to drastically – halted so in in order to not only figure out when to play but how the playoffs are going to work how next season's going to work so um i think that major league baseball you know was able to they've known about this for a while and um 
you know, maybe not beginning of July, but I do think that there will be baseball this year. <laughs> uh, Art, what do you think? Uh, I, I just love, I think it's, you know, Trevor Plouffe put out his, his tweet, then Keith Law comes in and just poo-poos it right away, really quickly. And then uh, Trevor got the last laugh when he got backed up. I thought that was really cool. Um, obviously, I'm way too into baseball Twitter, I guess. But uh, I, I, I dig it. I'm glad, it's, I'm glad that there's some, some movement, some motion towards a single plan. I think we all second that. And, and I think at this point now, we may be getting some various reports on different dates of potential starts. But the point is, they're talking about potential starts. They're not talking about if there's going to be a season. They're talking about potential starts. At this, I, I think we're in another gear. I think at this point, we could expect to see baseball within the next two months. And I think it's, it's, if you have been holding off on your drafts, I think it's time to think about scheduling them. Um, I think we're, we're finally back in that mode, gentlemen. And, uh, I, I think it's, it's happy times ahead. No, oh, what? I, I fell asleep. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're not salty at all, are you? <laughs> I got to get a few jabs in back. <laughs> um, I don't have a soundtrack, but that doesn't mean I can't be creative. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Well, <laughs> We had a great time. We had a great interview with uh, uh, Chris from Baseball Pods that we're going to share with you guys. Again, we had a blast talking to him. Um, you know, uh, we were able to talk with him about his, the tournament that he created, just a little bit about his website and what he's about. And then we were able to get to uh, some good trade etiquette discussion. Um, so we're looking forward to letting you guys listen to him and, and our time together. Um, before we get to that, you guys want to say anything before we get out of here? Uh, real quick, um, you know, we tell you guys to please give us reviews and follow us on Twitter. Uh, Zeus Hockey and Vicky Thompson 321. Thank you so much for the re- for the reviews. I know I speak for David Art and myself when um, we really appreciate it. I think it put all a smile on all of our faces. Um, and during times like this, you know, you read something like that and it, it keeps you, you know, going and, and wanting to post um, great podcasts. So um, thank you guys. Hope you're listening. Jeff, weekly shout out. Love you, man. T minus one more week till you hear of till you hear of us. Art, I I just want to you know feel like we've been shouting into the void. Jeff McNeil, do you hear us? That's all I want to know. Give us some sign that we're getting through to you. That's all I want to know. <laughs> Jeff's. I think every single time we say his name, like he probably like gets like some kind of like tingle or something. He's like, why? Why do I keep hearing my name? You know, just putting it out there in the world. Hopefully things come back to you. <laughs> well, again, we echo what Eric said. We have, uh, you know, we're up to three reviews now. We've got eight uh, five star ratings. We're looking to keep having those shoot up. So please, if you're enjoying the pod, please leave us a review and a rating. We really appreciate it. It's how we're going to keep growing. And again, uh, we hope you enjoy our time with uh, Chris from Baseball Pods. We'll catch you guys next week. All right, we welcome in Chris, or otherwise people know on Twitter as Baseball Pods. Uh, Chris wrote regularly for the fan, for fantasy baseball websites and nationally published fantasy magazines. And if you didn't know, he's also the mastermind behind the famed 
Baseball Pods Fantasy Baseball 2020 podcast bracket. Uh, Chris, how's it going, man? We're really happy to have you on. It's going good. I'm happy to talk to anybody outside of my family these days. <laughs> <laughs> they can't. Uh, are you uh, bored of them yet, or you just uh, yeah hanging up there? I got a great. I got a great wife and three boys, and they're phenomenal. And thank God, because I think if I was alone, I'd be going stir crazy. <laughs> well, you've been doing really great stuff. Um, you know, I want to get the bracket is is entertaining and great. I do want to talk about it a little bit. Sure. Um, but first, I really wanted to point out. I just I re- kind of dug a little bit into the whole baseball pods Twitter and website that you have. Um, and as it says on your site and your Twitter, you promote and enter, uh, you promote entertaining and informative baseball podcasts and highlight the best stuff for us. Um, I really think it's really an awesome thing you're doing. You're just taking all the best podcasts all around the internet and all around the uh, you know Apple and and Spotify and I think you're, you know, showing all these people all this great content. Uh, what was kind of your inspiration to start kind of getting into this? Well, like, I mean, a long time ago, I wrote in, you know, when I was in grad school, I wrote like for Laura Michaels on creative sports and and, and did a bunch of uh, um, the fantasy baseball index magazines that Peter Kreitzer puts out still. And so I was, you know, it was kind of, I love fantasy, so I've been into it, but I actually got a, di- a different career ended up paying me. Oddly enough, there's not a lot of money. in sports. <laughs> I know it's a shocker to many people. And I kind of came, I went, I loved playing it and I actually started playing more and more. Um, and I've always listened to podcasts like, you know, I've listened to, you know, uh, Matthew Barry and Nate Rabbits back in the day on fantasy focus. And, you know, many of them, I mean, all, all, all the major ones throughout the years. But um, like I kind of list like this winter, I kind of um, started listening to a whole I realized all these independent podcasts were out there. Like I listened to CBS, listen to Roto World, listen to RotoWire, you listen to like Yahoo and ESPN and them. And, and I was just like, but then there's all these like independent podcasts and like they're really good. And I was like, these like there needs to be like a voice for this. And I also just, I love the fantasy baseball community. Like it's a bunch of mostly really good human beings and like there's not a lot of money in it. It's done. I think it's because it's out of love. And so everyone kind of props each other up. And so I was like, you know what? Like, let me just start promoting a lot of these independent podcasts and, 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 you know, some of the mainstream ones too. And I, I was literally sitting in the library in February when this thought came to me and I started tweeting. And next thing I know, like, all these blue check marks were following me on Twitter. And I was just like, wait a minute, like this is actually going somewhere. And then, you know, that's kind of where the whole thing started. And it's, it's just, it's a labor of love. It's just like, uh, you know, do your thing and promote uh, other people and promote the good work out there. And that's where the tournament came from. And then, you know, Justin Mason reached out and he was like, dude, you've got something pretty good going on here. You know, he's from sleeper in the bus and fan graphs and friends with fantasy benefits. And, he was like, and I was like, good, so you can let me in the TGFBI tournament. And he was like, no, no, dude, you got to get a website for that. So I made up a website, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's called dashpods.com. You guys can check it out. There's like maybe eight or ten articles up there now. And I'll be doing it. But it's just like, I love, look, I've got my own opinions on fantasy for sure. And I've been an analyst for a while. But um, it's mostly about promoting other people's podcasts. But my thing that I told Justin was, man, if I spend so much time listening to fantasy content, I should have some damn well, well-informed opinions. And that's what I've got. So that's kind of where my analysis comes from. Well, it's kind of funny you mentioned about your site. Cause, um, again, I, I kind of was looking at your site a little bit and, um, one of the things that stuck out to me, your article, um, that you had about the five tools of fantasy podcasts, 
I mean, you're right. Great stuff, man. I got, I'm, I'm happy that you have a, a site where you also have content on there, especially since you said Justin Mason kind of uh, influenced you to get that website so you could try to get in there. Um, it, it's, it's a lot of great stuff on there. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm, I'm no dummy. I wouldn't have put stuff up there if I couldn't write a little bit, right? It had some good <laughs> ideas. But, but the, the, I mean, the, 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 the thing that you're, you're talking about, the five tools, like, that's totally tongue-in-cheek. I was just like, I mean, there's some truth to it, right? There's some truth to everything. And so the five tools, it's, you know, you can grade podcasts on a 20 to 80 scale like a, like a baseball player. But, you know, some people have actually asked me to do that. I think that's a dangerous game. I think people can self-evaluate. But the five tools are that I put out there because I do th- I do believe in them that make a good fantasy baseball podcast, like management, talking about like in-season management, like how do you fab, who do you cut, when do you pick up the rookie, how do you manage your team, what kind of bench should you be maintaining depending on format. You know, analytics, obviously you have to be able to play with the math if you, if you want to be even decent in fantasy or at least understand it. But for me, analytics is about – like the, one of the guys that does a great job of that is Buck, uh, Casey Bubba. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, but his his podcast, you look at Benched with Bubba. He does – he, like, understands the math, but he's very clear he's terrible at math. So he takes the time to understand it and then explains it to people like me who don't understand it. So that's an example of, like, doing it an, – an, instead of, hey, what's the X goal bacon times CSW squared? I'm just like – I get lost in that stuff, so – I like now analytics that can explain it to the lay person. Uh, personality, you got to have personality. You guys got a ton of that on this podcast when I listen to you. But like, you, you don't want to listen to someone that's boring. You know, right. I mean, this is for entertainment. Prospects, I, mean, I just think that you have to have some kind of prospect analysis in the game today. Even if you're playing like NFBC redraft, you have to know who the rookies are going to be coming up. And then um, uh, the S is for strategy, and I think that's like the. A, only a couple podcasts really do that well. And I think strategy, it's tough to talk about. I get that because every, there's so many different formats. Like I play redraft, dynasty, keeper, auto new, you know, head to head points. You know, I get it. There's different formats. But talking about strategy, I think, is the, that's like the holy grail. And not enough people do that well on fantasy yeah. fans, just in podcasts or in articles. Yeah, it sounds yeah, like no. we have a topic for another another podcast now. <laughs> you're giving us you're giving us great ideas. This, uh, I mean, Take I, I I think you're right. There's so there's so much you can touch on and not a lot touch on everything. And and I think it's it's really good to be a, a well versed podcast and be able to kind of touch on all of that if you want to be a complete podcast. And uh, again, just reading through some of that stuff that you've had, it's, it's, it's also good goals for what we want to get to. Cause I think if we can get on, make sure touch on all those, it's allowing us to grow and, and to, you know, be able to reach a, a wider audience, you know, um, Eric, I know you wanted to ask a specific question about the, uh, the tournament. Yeah, I think it's fascinating. And you touched on this point that, you know, that you listen to the big names, but a lot of little names as well. And, You've had to listen to at least 64 podcasts to rank them. Um, <laughs> at, like, what was the process behind that? Was it Twitter followers? Was it just, like, names in the end? Like, I just think that's fascinating, especially because we didn't have a real March Madness. So you're the hero <laughs> we needed. It was crazy. Like, that was just, like, right place, right time, right? I mean, like, I did I was, I was, did that and was thinking it would be kind of fun and, like, goofy. And, and, re- and then it became so serious. I was like... I really need to make sure next year I do this a little bit more officially because 
hits over 70,000 votes. And, like, granted, there was definitely, there was definitely, like, I, I don't know, definitely. There were some suspicious voting patterns in, a, in one of the, but, I mean, we had t- tens of thousands of real votes. So I didn't expect that. And so, like, and there were a couple of podcasts that were like, oh, wait a minute, why weren't we in there? And like, uh, the Barstool Bros came after me because, because like, Starting Nine wasn't I was like, dude, that's not a fantasy podcast. Like, the Effectively Wild Stands came after me. That I was like, no. And there were some good podcasts I should have let in there. And next year, I'll put a lot more thought into it. What I basically did was I was like, okay, the point of this is not was to shine the light on a lot of the good independent podcasts. Yeah. So. I figured, like, if I'm putting Rotowire up against a podcast or someone else up against a podcast, like, Roto, like Jeff Erickson might listen to that. You know what I mean? And like, and yeah. maybe, and it worked. Like that was what was so beautiful about it, and it, it far exceeded my expectations. But so many great stories. Like, for example, um, you know, Jeff Erickson, who's had the the You Down with OBP podcast, which is two dudes that are just like. They're doing like they're doing really good analytic work. They're really interesting. They're very serious about it. But they're two dudes that were kind of recently starting off, I think, last year. And they went to college together. And one lives in California. One lives in Massachusetts now. And they have this website and this podcast. And Jeff Erickson had them on the Rotowire podcast and shine the light on them. And they were guests. And like, they're now they're have way more listeners. And like, there there's like there were like twenty or thirty different iterations of that. But then like towards the end, it got a little hot and heated. Like. You know, Bob Silver had the entire nation of Canada. His wife, so I don't know if you know, he runs the Launch Angle podcast with a few other guys. Mm-hmm. His wife is the Prime Minister's Chief of Staff in Canada. And so she had all these, all of a sudden I have all these followers with like blue check marks and like Canadian flags next to them. <laughs> <laughs> like the Chief of Communications for the Prime Minister or the Labour Party is like voting, is like tweeting about vote for this this podcast tournament. That's so awesome. It, went That's awesome. Fast, it, was just, it was crazy though. But I think the thing that was most important was it did shine the light on a lot of independent podcasts. And if you talk to like, is it the Welsh? Like Chris Welsh, he does um, he does uh, Prospect One and he does uh, In This League Pod uh, and he works with Joe PCP on the Black Book. Like he talked about it a lot, how you know, people talk about it. Uh, even, even like Roto World, like the guys from Roto World had me on their pod and they were like, hey, we're, they, we're having the same conversation I had with, with you with them. Like they were like, we need to look at this, this. We need to look at the five tools of fantasy baseball podcasts and make sure that we're covering them all and stuff like that. So it's just more about building up the community. And uh, I did not expect it to blow up the way it did, but, you know, it was fun. And uh my favorite thing was this. I, I always responded whenever anyone asked questions about the seating as the selection committee, you know, <laughs> pedigree of programs like I was the NCAA or whatever. So next year I got to figure out maybe I'll have to put together a selection committee. But I do listen to a lot of pods and we I was just really trying to set it up so that people would listen to new podcasts that they hadn't before. That was the real motivation to make yeah. it official, put the next four and then the four after that out, like in bracketology. Oh, yeah. Oh, just trust me. Like next I did not think it was going to get it was going to blow up like it did. So we're going to do like they're going to be playing games next year. Like that's yes. it. Where yes. like, okay. Was there one particular result that shocked you that you can remember? Well, yeah, I'll be honest with you. Like I was shocked that Ray Butler. So the pro, pro this is why I also tell people to cover prospects. Like there is a 
rabid fan base of prospect fans, people who love the minor leagues, people who love prospects. And that's the world's going to change after the season, unfortunately, because I'm pretty sure we're going to lose a bunch of minor league teams forever. I mean, maybe not forever. They'll probably come back when, you know, we've lost minor league teams before and they've come back. But the prospect guys shocked me. Like, I did not think, I didn't realize how powerful they were. And uh, I think that Ray Butler took down the athletic, which is no joke. Now, I think one of the reasons the athletic lost is because they were behind a paywall for a very long period of time and only came out from behind that paywall in like February. So they didn't have like the listener base that a lot of these, but Ray's got his army out there and prospects 365 took them down. And they were, I think the, I think that they were the highest ranked seed, the lowest ranked seed that went the farthest. And he's already said to me, his goal is to be a four seed next year. Uh, <laughs> I think, um, I mean, I know Pitcherless won the whole thing. Oh, yeah. I, they've been, I mean, they've been just rising through the ranks. I think, are, are they pretty much a guaranteed number one seed next year? I think, I mean, I think they're going to be, I mean, first of all, they've taken over the Korean baseball market. You know, you guys, I mean, what they're, them, it, I mean, basically, Rotowire and Pitcherless are doing all this great KBO analysis. So I was uh, to give credit where it's due. I was on a I was on a pod with uh, a Matt Williams from the Turn Two podcast, which is another one of the great independent podcasts out there. And um, Matt, um, he, I was on with him early in the tournament, and he, and he said, "Who who are you picking to win?" And I was like, "Well, I can't. It was, I'm not going to bias the results." So off air we talked, and I told him I thought that is it. I thought that one of the Welsh, like the Welsh and Bogman, if you guys don't listen to them. First of all, they're hysterical. Second of all, they got a whole Patreon army out there. And um, I thought in this league might might be like the dark horse. And they were. They were really good. They, 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 they did very well. But he told me pitcher list. And I was like, interesting, because pitch I could see it. I was like, but Matt, why pitch list? And he was like, because no one hates them. Like, they're the uh, nicest guy yeah. in the world. They do really good work. They're really smart. But they do it. They're so nice to everybody. And mm-hmm. no one hates them. And, I mean, there was definitely, like, I mean, there were certainly, like, an anti-Roto-Wire vote at some point. There was an anti, uh, I think there was an anti-Yahoo thing, because Scott Pianowski won the uh, the Yahoo Fantasy Baseball Pot of the Year. And I think there were a lot of people out there that were, like, trying to take him down for whatever reason, just for, because he was the big dog. So, uh, but um, I thought, uh, my one of my favorite other moments was, uh, this goes back to Justin being a bit of a character, but he... He was like, so he, it was getting a little heated on Twitter, a little heated. And some people were getting a little uncomfortable. And like Justin Mason went on there and was just like, uh, hey guys, the spirit of this tournament is that we should just be good people and treat each other well. Can't we just do that as human beings? And so I'm literally typing, yes, Justin, thank you for putting this out there. Da 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 da. I press tweet. Look at the response, and he's like, whoever he was playing, they're using child labor. <laughs> so he was just like, I was like, you son of a gun. Uh, <laughs> and if you've ever met, or met him or talked to him, you can just see him like cackling in delight, smoking one of his menthols in his t-shirt. <laughs> well, it's, it's great because, you know, we started this pod uh, a few months ago, and we've actually we had on uh, we've had Alex uh, from Pitcher List on. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, we had Justin. We had um, the Welsh two weeks ago, and your your tournament. 
I think like allowed us to really, I mean, we knew a lot of these guys and we've listened to podcasts, but it really put everybody in one place to allow us to really be like, okay, like, wow, maybe we've heard of uh, Pitcherless and Alex Fast, but we haven't heard of uh, this one or, or that one, you know, and um, talking to all these guys, uh, they're all, like you said, all of them are such good people. And the ones that are such good people, that's why they're doing so, they did so well in your tournament. And like you yeah. said, it's such a, a good community. Yeah. Um, and and mean, you just really created something special. And, and I think everybody that does baseball podcasts feels closer after you do it. You did that. Well, I mean, it's great. I mean, I appreciate that if that if I was able to do that. And I'm just, like I said, I just, I think that um, the whole, I, every time I've ever been involved in, I've never, I cannot remember a time when I've heard of, people third hand even like that go to like first pitch Arizona or go to one of these industry events and they're treated that poorly. I mean, there, there is an NFBC. There's like a certain, I will say this, the NFBC high stakes guys, they're a little aggro, right? Like they're a little like, you know, and, and they're, that's, it's a, that's a little bit of a different um, mentality. And like, and that's Rob Silver and, and uh, Mike the mouth uh, who's on uh, the draft champagne podcast. Who's, who's a character and a half. When I was on with him, I, didn't, I said I didn't realize I was going to get a chance to speak with Jazz Commentary. Um, <laughs> he's, he's a spitting image. It's amazing. If you ever watched a Bronx Tale. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, there's a little more bravado. And you know, they're, they're high stakes gamblers. And they're really smart, like Matt Modica and them. But most of them also even are like super nice. And uh, when you talk to them, there's a bravado on Twitter and a bravado um, – there's a, there's a bravado that's not common, I guess, in the fantasy baseball industry. But if you talk to any one of them about when they're together in Vegas, any one of them will tell them that, like, totally polar opposite personalities you would think would hate each other are actually, like, best friends in real life. Awesome. And so a lot of that's about, like, this personality and bravado. and they, So they have a little bit more of a, a less friendly uh, face. But underneath it all, from what I've been told, all of them are really good people as well. And and most of my interactions with them are on, on Twitter are very positive. That's great. That's awesome. Um, well, Chris, I want you to put now your uh, analyst hat on, all right? Yeah. We're going to switch gears here, and we're going to get into our main topic. There it is. <laughs> Waiting for the bass to drop. So, trade etiquette. There's two major parts of every fantasy season that we love. Drafts, of course, which are always the best parts of every season, set the foundation for our team and have months of anticipation leading up to them. After the draft, we're in the thick of the season. What else do we have? We've got trades. Once the draft's been completed, it amazes me how quickly trade offers start to fly. One of the most common problems that there is is terrible and offensive trade offers. Nothing can ruin your chances of improving your team than poor trading etiquette. Bad trade offers can make your blood boil, cause offers of spite, and wreck integrity of various players within your league. While you and I might not know the 13th colony of the United, uh, the United States, which was Georgia in 1732, there are a lot of things that we can do to make sure we set ourselves up to be the great trade partners that we most can be. You need to put yourself in the best possible position to propose and complete trades with league mates in your league. So I ask you gentlemen, Chris, I'm going to start with you. What 
are some tips and some things to avoid to maintain good trade etiquette? Uh, it's a, it is the type of thing that can rip a fantasy league apart, right? I mean, this is it. This is like the, this is like the, I think the the third rail, right, of fantasy baseball leagues. And I have definitely gotten some of my most heated arguments with old friends in fantasy leagues over stuff like this. So I think one of the most important things in running a league is establishing when you're not doing like a, uh, especially when you're not doing a redraft, but in redraft too, is establishing what the rules of engagement are around trading. Um, like, what you, if you are going to have a dynasty league or a keeper league, you should everybody should just kind of understand that there are going to be trades that look very lopsided. They're going to be dumb trades, like they're on real baseball. And if you're not okay with that, I think that's a discussion you should have at the beginning before you really start your league. Because otherwise, what ends up happening is people are like, wait a minute, this guy, I, this guy was in second place, and he just got two first round picks for two guys from next year that. And wait a minute, now I'm not going to win the league because of this? Everybody just has to make sure that they're on the same page. But my basic rule of engagement is don't be a jerk. Like, try to give someone, try to find a trade partner that uh, where you are giving something back to them that is of general equal value. Because, you know, you don't want to win the battle and lose the war. If there's a guy in your league and you, like, totally destroy him in a trade and everyone calls him up, and says, you're a freaking moron. He just took your lunch money. Well, guess what? That guy's not going to trade with you again. He's going to, you're the last guy's going to trade with. Um, but I'm pretty, um, so that's my general, I'd say, over this opening statement. What I would also say, though, is I tend to be more lenient than some people. Everyone has different styles. I don't mind the guy that offers me 50 trades and, you know, 35 of or 40 of which are outlandish. As long as when I reject it and make a counter, he's engaged. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also don't – What I, I will say one of my pet peeves is the, the non-responder. Yes, I was going to ask you about yes. that. Don't be the non-responder. I try not to be. I, I'm definitely guilty of that sometimes. But at least respond and say, hey, man, I'm uh, not sure I want to do that. I'm going to think about it for a couple of weeks or whatever. But the non-responder, I can't stand. So that, those are my opening statements. And you know what's funny, Chris, that you bring that up is the people who are the non-responders, the moment they offer you a trade and you don't respond, they're the ones sending you like, hey, did you see my trade? <laughs> yep. And like, um, I've got a guy in my league. He is so – you guys all have this guy in your league. He thinks his guys are the greatest. Like, oh, yeah. The, oh, yeah. Like, the greatest. Like he only sees the best in them and he only sees the worst in your guys. And here's the thing. a lot, Like 10 years ago, that used to really tick me off. Now I'm just like, you know what? That's actually the way he views his team. And I'm never going to trade with the guy, but it doesn't mean he's a jerk. It just means he's – I'll just say, you know what? I don't think we're a good – This is my, 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 it doesn't look like it's a good match for us right now. It's like the you know the easy letdown. So then I'm like, I'm not – because I don't want to hurt the guy's feelings, but I'm never going to make a deal with you. Like I can go back and forth with you, and at the end of the day, you're still going to be trying to – to, to, to say that you're giving up more when you're trying to meet Kyle Tucker for my Mookie bets. Like, he'll be like, no, 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 the potential of Kyle Tucker is so much. And I'll be like, but it's Mookie bets. And, it's, and yeah. I realized a while ago, stop arguing with the guy. Just say, you know what? Not a match for me right now and walk away from the table. Save yourself a lot of agitation. I like that. Art, well, 
what would you uh, do you want to add anything to what Chris has said? And is there another point that you think our listeners should know about trading? Um, I think I think the the point that Chris was saying about um, communicating with your league mates. The first thing I think you need to do is research. You need to look at the other teams in your league and look who might be a fit for your strengths. Like if you have a couple of good starting pitchers and you might be able to get rid of one, who's low on starting pitchers? If you've stockpiled shortstops, who's low on, who needs a shortstop? That's, I mean, that's who I focus on, on my trade offers on, but I, I don't like to just send a trade offer. I like to reach out to them and say, Hey, you know, I think, I think the, that we might be a match for a trade and here's one that I thought of. Uh, you know, get, you know, and if the conversation doesn't go anywhere, like if they respond with a trade that I would never take, yeah, then I go, all right, we don't value our players the same. Um, yeah, so research is a big thing. I like to make sure that I stockpile strengths. Um, last year, I was stockpiling first baseman because I felt like if you had a good corner that was a first baseman, a good util that was a first baseman, if you if you did it right, people were going to be low on first baseman um, because it was sort of a middling position after the top level. I like to stockpile positions because then people go, oh, he has three first basemen. I just lost mine. And they come to me for a trade or I can then look if they get an injury. I can then come to them and say, hey, you just lost the guy. Uh, is, is there a trade we can work out? The other point that I would like to stress, do not drunk trade. Don't <laughs> drunk trade. Don't talk trades when you're drunk. Don't offer trades when you're drunk. Because you're going to be coming to the league chat the next day going, guys, I was really wasted when I offered that deal. And I have it back. Don't drunk trade. I, I, I like that. I, I didn't know that's where this good uh, conversation was going to go. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. Uh, and then just ending it with that. I thought you were going to be the one to bring that up, Eric. Really? <laughs> uh, Eric, what else would you add? Uh, guys, I mean, great points. I, I, everything you guys said is something that I wanted to say at one point. Art, I think your point about research. Um, there's, a, there's a few things for me. Um, we, David Art and myself, play in a league, and it's called Fantasy Baseball for Gentlemen. And it's, it's kind of how the fantasy baseball community is. Just like, you know, you want to win, but you're going to follow rules. Or you're going to, you know, just be, you know, a, a fun person to interact and to be in the league with. Um, so for me, the first one is don't send any ridiculous trades. Don't send Kyle Tucker for Mike Trout. <laughs> thinking, to me, I don't, it's a waste of time because there's no way, even if I was really, really drunk, uh, I would ever accept that. Um, I think another thing, too, is to not say who you want right away. I think on any given team, you could see multiple multiple players you want. So just reach out and say, hey, you know, are you interested in making a trade? I think if you say somebody like, oh, hey, I want, you know, Walker Bueller, then you're giving a little bit of leverage and somebody knows, OK, I can try to get more out of him because he really wants that player. Um like Art said, kind of look at the strengths and weaknesses, um, you know, ask who they like on the team. I, I think just be upfront. you know, trades can go one way or another, you know, somebody could get hurt and somebody could go off that you don't, you know, anticipate. 
But if you've talked it over and you're in agreement that it's a good trade, like you said, Chris, I think you're more likely to do business with that person again. Where do you guys stand on vetoes? God, that is tough. tough. Uh, So I personally, I think that you need to get more than half the league to veto, but there is a risk when you do that because if there is one veto, then it could start a slippery slope for all these other vetoes to come in. So I think you have to be very clear if you're, especially if you're in a dynasty league from the start, Hey, no trades are getting vetoed or Hey, like half the league's going to veto, you know, it's going to have to happen. I, I just think you, as far as vetoes, you just have to be on the same page where everybody agrees. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm generally anti-veto. I feel like if you're in a league where mm-hmm. you need to veto a trade, it's the, it's, you, you have someone in the league that shouldn't be in there. The only way, and frankly, the only way I think you can veto a trade is if there's kind of evidence of collusion and you guys are playing in a league. Most most of my leagues are friend leagues, too. Like, that would never be the case. Like, it sounds like your leagues is the same way. If I was ever in a league where I felt like I had to veto, we needed to veto a trade, I would either... I would consider leaving the league myself or like mm-hmm. you know, the people involved needed to leave because we're all grown men and women who are playing and, you know, you're putting your money on the table. Like you, we don't value players the same way. Going back to the, the trade thing. One thing that I've done, I got so close to a mega deal that I actually, I couldn't pull it off that I went to the guy and I was like, look, cause it was, this isn't a dynasty league. We, were, we had about eight or 10 prospects we were throwing around. And I was like, look, let me just show you, this is the list of how I rank the prospects that we're talking about. You tell me. He came back and he had like almost the polar opposite list because people value prospects especially differently. Not just mm-hmm. it's exacerbated at that minor league level, and but that helped us eventually get to a place where we could pull off a trade. Like I kind of showed my hand. I was like, "Look, this is my hand, man. This is what I'm playing with. You show me yours in, in good faith, and let's pull something off." And we did, and it turned out to be mutually beneficial. But I'm um, sorry to get us off track, but yeah, I'm, if you're if you're in a veto league, um, I don't know. I, I I just unless there's evidence of collusion, in which case those guys are out of the league. We we have too much drama in our everyday lives. Fantasy baseball is for fun. That's a very good point. Um, one a couple things also that I don't know if you guys consider the same thing too. I, I call these players um, the basically the the one timers, and they're the guys that have a three home run game that come out of nowhere. Someone picks them up off waivers and then the next day tries to trade you for Mike Trout for them. And they say Mike Trout's in a 10-game slide. He looks like he's hurt. You might as well get someone who's coming off a three-homer game uh, trying to maximize the buy high, sell low. I I can't stand those guys. (laughs) We all know one of those guys that do that. Um, Is that, Chris, do you have anybody that you know like any of your leagues that have done that? Not not that often because I think we try. I mean, I've tried to weed down my league so I play with like really good people most of the time. But it's definitely happened. I think more more than what, more of what I see is just the like the, what I was talking about before, where some guy will have a legitimate opinion about someone, and his guys are just so much better than yours. And I'm just like, you have to treat everyone differently. It's funny. What I would say is um, that's a guy that I basically put on you. If he's in my league, like I'm just not even basically responding that if someone, if you're doing that to me, I don't feel bad not responding to your trade. Remember we talked about the non-responder. Yeah. I'll be the non-responder if you're doing that. I'm just not, I'm not even going to reject it. I'm just going to let it sit out there for a while. So you might think I'm just, so you think that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
the other one that I that I think we didn't mention that I also um, I'm sure you guys take note as well is when any two for one trades are offered that they're not thinking of that someone that person that's getting the two needs to drop somebody and not every single time someone has someone that they're going to want to drop off their team to acquire that player. So I think you have to be mindful if you offer a two-for-one that you know for sure that they're going to be willing to kind of take someone and, and drop them off their team. Um, Art, what are your, your experiences with that? Do you feel like that could be a, a hindrance in some trades? I I don't. Like, I would rather take back – I would rather make it a two-for-two. Two. Um, I think one-for-one one are by far the easiest trades to complete. It, like, when you start adding two or three pieces per side – it's uh, it's it's really hard to sort of gauge how it evens out or how it levels. Um, I think there are some owners who don't want to take two for ones because they don't want to give up the best player in the deal. Uh, I think um, I think you have to be willing to accept that if you can strengthen two areas a little bit by giving up one really strong area, then you might make your team better. Um, so, because the the goal is to win the league, it's not necessarily to win the trade. Um, so, I I think a two for one, uh, I I don't use that formation very often because they're 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 just not completed very often. But I think you have to be open to them personally. And also, like my my previous point, I usually offer two for two. Like I will say, I will take this person who I think is the worst player on your roster and add them into the trade or something like that. You know, just, just make it an even trade. Um, talking about the worst players on the roster, Eric, if someone is basically taking a bunch of their players on the end of their roster, um, their bench players basically, and offering it to, to kind of do a bunch of, of nobodies for one, obviously I'm taking the bad trade part out of it. Do you feel that, people offering bench players for starters should be something that taboo. Cause do you think people are going to pay attention to saying, Hey, you're giving me two of your bench players who aren't bad, but you're keeping your whole starting lineup and getting one of my studs. And that's going to deter them from wanting to trade with you. Yeah. I, you know, to kind of touch on this earlier when um, Chris was talking about the making bad trades and vetoing, you know, that's what we did in our league. The guy that we felt made some really bad trades and they were bad. Um, I dropped him from the league. I think if you have 10, 12, 14, however many people you play with, people that know baseball, those trades will never happen because it's like, oh, well, th- this person isn't stupid. I'm not going to waste their time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that would be my hope is a league is like that, that nobody would even try that. Um, I think at some point you just tell them the truth of like, hey, this doesn't make sense for these reasons, you know, and then tell them players that you do like. You know, if you want, um, you know, Clayton Kershaw, you're going to have to throw in and, you know, give a few options. So they know kind of where then to start a trade if anything is realistically going to happen. Good points, Eric. Um, you guys, anything else you want to add on this discussion before we get to the question of the week? I can't wait to fantasy baseball starts and it's trading season. <laughs> <laughs> it's It might be here sooner than we realize it's. Uh, it's around the corner. I, I think there's some finally some optimism around here. Um, but with that being said, let's get to our uh, question of the week. 
If I was a question, would you be my answer? If I was the music, would you be the dancer? If I was the student, would you be the teacher? If I was the sinner, would you be the preacher? Would you be my... All right. New tunes for this week. I like no swear words. <laughs> I learned I'm... my mistake one time, Mark. <laughs> uh, so our question this week, which player that played before your time do you wish you could have watched play? And I know there's highlights of these guys out there, but saying, hey, like they're currently playing while I'm watching on TV. Uh, Chris, I'm going to start with you. Which is that player for you? It's pretty easy for me. It's Josh Gibson. So, like, he uh, he played in the uh, in the Negro Leagues and was a catcher and was supposedly, like, one of the greatest hitters of all time. And I think he actually ended up he, – he died uh, before he got a chance to play in the major leagues. But, like, uh, if you ever watch Ken Burns' baseball series, which I love because I'm a baseball nerd, um, like, Buck O'Neill is one of the primary narrators in that. And he played – he was a Negro League manager and player – and, you know, stuck around and watched everybody. And he talks about the way that the ball came off of Josh Gibson's bat. And he said, like, the only people – there's only a handful of people that he's ever heard where the ball sounded that way. And most people think he would have been the all-time home run king if he played. And, like, I can watch old Babe Ruth, and I can watch, like, even – there's even, like, you know, footage from, you know, earlier than that that I can watch. But there's not a lot of footage of Josh Gibson. So I would have loved to, like, seen him swing the bat. That's a great choice. Um, Art, who is yours? Yeah, I think that's a great choice, too. It reminds me of this uh, HBO movie that came out based upon the Negro Leaguers coming to Major League Baseball. Uh, I think the guy who played uh, Bubba from Forrest Gump played Josh Gibson. It was a great movie. Uh, and I had thought about picking, just saying, I want to go to a Negro League game. That would I thought about that. Um, where, where I could have seen, you know, cool Papa Bell and Satchel Page and all those guys. Uh, I eventually settled on Sandy Koufax, uh, going to trying to see him during that short prime he had. Uh, his his windup was so cool. He was so dominant during that time. I would have loved to seen Sandy Koufax pitch just one game. Great, Great choice as well, um, Eric. How about you? Yeah, good good choices. Um, Mine is Willie Mays, a 24-time All-Star, two-time MVP, Rookie of the Year, 660 career home runs. Like, for me, I think if I was a kid and I just saw – and his his nickname's the Say Hey Kid. And, he, you know, he hits a two-home run game. I could see the thing of, like, why you love baseball. Um, I, I think, like, if you were a kid growing up watching him, a lot of people probably tuned in because of him. Yeah, I figured Willie Mays would get thrown in there. I would have been shocked if he didn't. I mean, he's a generational player, of course. Um, mine, I took a little bit of time and I thought about this one. And my answer, I don't know if you guys, especially Eric, I don't know if this would be someone you might think I would pick. Um, I chose Ozzie Smith. And keep in mind, Eric and I both, uh, or Eric and I are both under 30, so we... Uh, <laughs> so we're a little younger, but yeah. uh, we, uh, you know, he's he was a, a constant professional and, and uh, you know, he dazzled the fans with his acrobatics in the field and kind of revolutionized the defense that's played by shortstops, nicknamed the Wizard, um, put on a bunch of acrobatic displays, just kind of was an artist in the field, um, 
had a share of big hits and memorable moments over a 19-year career. I, I just feel like someone so much is focused on like hitting and so much is focused on just big names. And Ozzie Smith is a big name, but again, like I think just being a wizard of defense and kind of revolutionizing the position, I would have loved to be the first to like to see that first come about, just see his wizardry in the field and kind of be in awe. Uh, Eric and I both, I, I know when we were growing up, our favorite segment on baseball tonight, web gems, like we used mm-hmm. to just love watching the defensive stuff. And, uh, and so I think that that would have really wowed me seeing that growing up. He's, he was, I will tell you, I watched him plenty and he was, uh, he was everything you can imagine and more. And uh, he was like, it was, he was, he, because he was such a good defender, he's an underrated hitter, actually. Like he was like a really, really good hitter, but because his defense like outshone it. I mean, it's interesting. Like people, I, I think that Andrelton Simmons today uh, people would say is a better defender than Ozzy Smith. I think they would. It'd be close. Like it'd be one. You know, also Omar Vizquel and a couple other guys are in that conversation at shortstop. But what I I love watching Andrelton Simmons play. It is beautiful. It's art. But like Ozzy was different. He was he was different. It was like you were watching a show when you were watching him play defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well. I was tempted, and I didn't do it. I was tempted to put Ken Griffey Jr. on this list because Eric and I both missed his um his like prime years. We saw him like really when he was with like the Reds was when we really started watching baseball. And I was like, nah, it doesn't count. You can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I had no uh, idea how good he was until YouTube. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, he just didn't see it. I mean, I, I knew about it, but just to see the highlights and that swing. Yeah, Eric, Eric and I both really got into baseball in like the early 2000s. Like that's when we first started really tracking it, and so like we missed the the huge good years of of Ken Griffey. But it's not too far. We were still alive when he was still pretty good, so I don't want to count that. The the player that hasn't been mentioned that I think you had to see it. There's certain players that are like moment in time players. And the player for me that when I talk to like some, I've got a, a, a you know teenage son when I talk to him about stuff, it's like, and he's obviously younger than you guys, but still Bo Jackson is the guy. Yeah. Like, yeah. If you mm-hmm. like Bo Jackson, not only in baseball, but in football, but I'm both like Bo Jackson seemed like he wasn't even a human being. Like he was superhuman. Like that's the guy that numbers don't even, his numbers are phenomenal. But his numbers don't do him justice. And the highlight reels are good, but watching that happen, it was you just blew your mind. He he, I, it did not seem like a human being. He seemed like he was like someone better than all of us. <laughs> the uh, Sports Center, or um, what is it? The uh, e, not E60. It was uh, the 30 for 30 of him. You kind of could see just how yeah, different he was. Yeah. It was great. It was great. But and by the way, when I brought up uh, Buck O'Neill, brought up like. I think four people in the history of baseball where the bats out of the same way. I think it was Josh Gibson, uh, Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, and Bo Jackson. I think those are the four. Those are I think those are the four that were like the bat. The way the ball centered off the bat was like it's like out of the, the the movie The Natural, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, those were all great choices, guys. Let's let's quickly move into our last segment, the game of the week.
Anybody know where that's from? No. The Sandlot. Oh, great movie. Okay. I was hoping maybe I might get one of you guys to know. But yeah. it is kind of it is kind of unbaseball-y, so it's it is kind of hard to tell. But I'm gonna guess uh, to a pet detective. <laughs> uh, Art, you're taking the game away, my man. So it's all yours. Uh, since trades are our topic of the day, uh, our topic of the game is going to be trades. And this is going to be another sort of pub trivia style of game. Uh, so if you if you have the uh, you have a piece of paper and a pen. Basically, I looked through the past uh, 10 years and picked out uh, a couple of in-season trades that I think are interesting that uh, that I that I remember and that I think would be interesting to talk about. So I'm going to ask some questions about these in-season trades. And whenever you guys are ready to go, we'll get started. I'm ready. Ready, Fre- ready Freddie. Okay. In 2011, in order to replace a key offensive cog, Buster Posey, who had recently been injured in a home plate collision with Scott Cousins. The San Francisco Giants went out and traded for Carlos Beltran, giving up a prospect. Who was that prospect? So he was traded to the Giants. Beltran was traded uh, to the Giants. Beltran was traded to the Giants. And then the Giants gave up who you're trying to figure yep. out. Gotcha. Okay. I'm not going to guess this. I'm terrible at this stuff. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to remember where Beltran got traded from. Was he Kansas City? He was traded from the Mets. From the Mets. Okay, that might help. Okay, yeah. that, that helps. From right. the Mets. Because Carlos Beltran played for a while. He was on the Royals, the Mets, then eventually the Giants, the Astros, and you know the Yankees at the end. Um, the Mets. Do we tell you at the end, or do we tell you now? Right, we, uh, we, right down your answers. Are, Write down your answers. I'll move on to the next question whenever. I'm ready. Yeah, ready for the next one. 2012, uh, the Rangers were up three games on the Angels at the deadline. After the Halos had acquired Zach Greinke, the Rangers responded by bolstering their rotation by shipping two prospects to the Cubs for Ryan Dempster. One of the prospects is still in the Cubs' rotation. Who is it? I think I know that one. I think I got this. I'm ready for the next one. Yeah. Also in 2012, in a rare trade involving 10 prospects, the Astros and Blue Jays swapped five players each, I believe. The Astros later flipped one of these prospects as a main piece in their trade for Garrett Cole. Who was that prospect? So they got him from the Astros, got him from the Blue Jays, and then shipped him to the Pirates. Yeah, in a 10 prospect trade in 2012. And then flipped that prospect for Garrett Cole a few years later. Okay. That person's still good, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> He's draftable in fantasy. <laughs> I, I think I know that one. I got the first two. I don't know this one. I'm trying to think. He's dropped. Come in last in this. Wait a minute. I think I do. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm gonna try. I don't. The guy that I've got is only draftable depending on your league. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay. In 2014, longtime Boston Red Sox ace John Lester was traded with Johnny Gomes to Oakland in the hopes of making the playoffs. The Red Sox received one uh, Major League Baseball player in return, not a prospect. Do you guys know who that player was? The Red Sox for Johnny Gomes? No, Johnny Gomes and John Lester to Oakland. Who did the Red Sox receive from Oakland? Oh, Scott Jenstad was just talking about this the other day on Rotowire because he was very bitter about John Lester's performance in Oakland. <laughs> yeah, uh, his his performance in the wild card game. Yeah, uh, uh, he couldn't he couldn't throw to first, so they just stole <laughs> off of him the Royals all day. The the, the, the yips. The yips. I'm a Yankees fan, and uh, I will tell you, uh, Chuck Knobloch, I remember very well. Oh, yeah, that was sad. I got sad because he was a great yeah. player with Minnesota. <laughs> Absolutely. He was an MVP, like a uh, um, caliber player. It was somebody uh, – I know who that is. All right. You might stump me on this one. I think I got it. 2015. How many of these we got? I got to keep save room on my paper. Uh, we have four left. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. All right I'm good. I'm, I'm, so this is number five. This is number five, right? Yeah. All right. 2015. In the midst of a playoff push, which would eventually end in a World Series title, the Kansas City Royals sent prospect Sean Manaya to Oakland for a key piece of that World Series championship team. Who was it? Hmm. I got a guess. I got a guess too, but I think it's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next one. 2016. In a pair of trades intended to help their end their World Series drought, the Dodgers shipped out prospects Frankie Montas and Jordan Alvarez, among others, and received three players in return. A starting pitcher, a relief pitcher, and an outfielder. One point for each correct answer of the three. Uh, what's the uh, next one? In 2018 and 2019, the Astros traded for the same defensive specialist backup catcher at the trade deadline. Two consecutive years. Who was that catcher? All right, give us the last one. In 2019, in what was then dubbed a prospect challenge trade, the Marlins and Diamondbacks executed a one-for-one swap where the Diamondbacks received Zach Gallen. What musically named prospect did the Marlins receive? Uh, I know this one. That's easy. That's a gimme. That was the easiest <laughs> one. I'm about to say, I mean, it's got to be. That's that one I was – because we still, like, that's a that's a, a challenge trade that's, like, really interesting to see what's going to happen with it, right? Yeah. 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 I think even if you hadn't given the musical clue, I think at least Chris and I, I think we probably oh, yeah. confident I, yeah. on that one. I would have been in on it completely because I own both players and 
plenty of leagues. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so the answers are the 2011 trade Giants Beltran. They traded uh, Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler. Beltran. Dang it. We got we got to hold on. I thought we were going to show our, we're not showing our work. I've got. Uh, we do the honor system. I'll trust you. <laughs> I trust you. <laughs> I've got a big question mark for number six, so I don't remember anything about that. But yeah, Zach Wheeler got that one. I'm I'm always the dark horse in these quizzes, so don't ever. Come I think me. I'm coming in last in this one, actually. <laughs> I got my guess for number two. When you're don't don't tell us. You got to let us guess. Oh, for for the second one, you yeah. want to guess? Kyle. Okay. Yeah, Kyle Hendricks. It's Kyle Hendricks. Yeah. Right. Uh, not what not what I said. Okay. You said that's not. No, I said that's not what I said, so I'm not going to say. <laughs> the third one, the Astros and the and the ten prospect trade that got them a piece for uh for the Garrett Cole trade. Colin uh, No. Greg Joe, Mus- oh, Joe Musgrove? It's Joe Musgrove. That's why I was thinking I think Colin Moran might have been in that trade, actually. He was. He was He was in that trade. Yeah. So I guess that, that counts. That counts too. Well that's why I said when you said I was like you'd have to be in a pretty Deep league to want to draft this guy. <laughs> they, they, no, they got Colin Moran in a separate trade. Not that right. trade. But, sorry, that's right. That's so, right. Joe Musgrove, Colin Moran was in a separate trade. Um, the player, all right, the next one, the player that John Lester was traded for. Cespedes. Cespedes. Cespedes for the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Got that one. Dang it. Did not get that one. What about number five? Okay. Uh, did you guys want to get who, – who did you guess for number five? I guessed Gerard Dyson. I have no idea. I guess you said it was a major component, so I said Lorenzo Cain. That's who I said. Ben Zobrist. Ah. MVP. Very good. Um, the, uh, the Dodgers trades where they shipped out Frankie Montas and Jordan Alvarez brought them back Rich Hill – Josh Fields and Josh Reddick. I didn't know who was. Wow. I got Rich Hill. 0 for 3 on that one. (laughs) (laughs) The catcher that the Astros traded for two straight summers was Martin Maldonado. Oh, I said Max Stancy. No. (laughs) This is where where playing out-of-the-park baseball helps you because – you pay attention to the defensive stats because yeah. <laughs> otherwise I would never have remembered Martin Maldonado. <laughs> I got that one. I felt so confident with Max Stassi, man. I said Robin Cinturinos, but I knew that was wrong. He's the starter. I uh, know. That's my boy. Uh, and the prospect challenge trade, Jazz Chisholm. Jazz yeah. Robert. Yeah. So, one, of the, uh, one of the new Bahamian Wonder Boys. Smooth Jazz. So, uh, who, what was the scores here? I had, well, I how many points did you get for the sixth question? Because I got zero on that one. Uh, was that the the Dodgers the, one? That yeah. was the three, yeah. Oh, for yeah, three. I'm over for three, that. so one, two, three. I got five out of ten. I got three. I got two. <laughs> All right. Yay, dude's <laughs> loser. <laughs> the the guests the guests end up winning. Chris, Chris took us to the cleaners. <laughs> I did not think that was going to happen, uh, especially when I went 0 for 3. I think I was very worried, but those last two questions helped me out very much. There it is. Chris, man. Well, that was fun. And, uh, Chris, we really appreciate uh, you coming on 
and uh, and being a part of this. Uh, you know, we, we're a big fan of of what you've been doing. So um, we we really appreciate your time. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's great. And uh, like I said, when I, you know, you kind of reached out and I think I listened to one of your pods and, and reviewed it and promoted it. And I'll definitely be doing that because you're getting some really good guests. And, uh, you know, like I said, you you have clear baseball knowledge and passion. And so bringing that to the table with like uh, the guests that you're bringing in is a really interesting recipe. I think you guys are going to start to grow. So maybe you'll see you next year in the baseball pods tournament. Thanks Ooh, so much. that's a nice tease. Put it, um, hey, put it as a 12 seed. 12 seed's always upset, at least. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Chris, Chris uh, one more thing before you go. I do want to um, – I, I saw that you have a, uh, a fundraiser that you have on your, uh, on your site. I just wanted to make sure, just for the listeners, how they can donate. Oh, yeah. If you go to, if you go to the baseball, baseball – so my Twitter handle is at BaseballPods. Most people know that. The website is baseball-pods.com, and um, it's uh, it's really so. If you guys know, you guys know. I'm sure you do. Todd Zola, um, mm-hmm. who's uh, you know Lord Zola. He's the, you know one of the godfathers of the industry, and he's a really good guy. Uh, and he started so he worked with Laura Michaels on um, launching Creative Sports many years ago. And one of the things that's tragic, Lord passed away uh, in, I think, 2017, I believe it was. It was recent. Um, was, like, Lar's whole thing was giving um, an opportunity to up-and-coming writers. And so that's what the Creative Sports 2 was going to be about. And he was launching it, and he was all over SiriusXM. He's, you know, he, you all know who he is. He's the Zen master of fantasy baseball. And uh, so when he passed away, uh, tragically, um, Todd kind of picked up the, the mantra of the mantle of um, creative sports and has kept it going. And it's a place where if you just have a passion about writing about fantasy sports, you can start there. And so that takes a little money. And so the link is to um, the fund that's in honor of Lar, and the money goes towards keeping his legacy alive. Um, and if you guys, the other thing about the website, if you go to baseball-pods.com, if you go to Nerf, there's a Nerf page. So Nerf is um, uh, the New England Roto Fantasy League. It is, I, I live in New England, and it's, it's uh, I don't know where you guys are located, but it's it's modeled after the Barf League, which is something else that Lar and Justin Mason started on the West Coast. And you can see, if you scroll down there, you'll see the custom-made Lore Michaels Championship Trophy. Uh, which is uh, you know, also another way that we're carrying on his legacy. So once again, this is all part of being a community, and the community, believe it or not, is like you know 30 years old at this point. And so I just always feel like I'm not trying to make any money off uh, off my website, but like if someone wants to see something and wants to be like, hey, this is really good. I want to support this type of work. Donate to Todd to, to the work that Todd Zola does with Creative Sports too over there in honor of law. That's great, Chris. And and again, we can find this. There's a link on your Twitter page at Baseball Pods. And then there's also, it can go to baseball-pods.com. You got it, man. Perfect. Thanks again, man. We really appreciate your time. You're the best. Uh, thank you, guys. Thanks, Chris. It's been an honor. Have a good one, fellas. You too. You too.